0: I just
1: have to not talk. <laughs> okay, right. Are you ready for... Oh, actually, let's fill everyone in. How's the dog?
0: Oh, yeah, Bertie. Okay, so I already kind of did this, so I'll get through it really quickly. Bertie ate a firelighter, a petroleum firelighter, freaked out, took him to the vet. You freaked out. So did you. Took him to the vet at, like, 11 o'clock, 12 at is night. Is that another coffee? Um, yeah, now I'm like, this is not This is not going to do it. Do you want this one? <laughs> You asked me to give you that no, one. No, I know. And then I got halfway through this one and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> well, take, don't have to drink it. It's any instant coffee. Okay, fine. Thank you. Love you. All right. right. Okay. Um, right, yeah. So, and then the vet was like, he'll, he'll be fine, but just look out for any like weird, depressive, like morose, lethargic behavior. And that's not him anyway. So we would have noticed that anyway. Like, okay. And then, yeah, shut up. And then yesterday he was just like in a, in a complete depressive funk. And I just freaked out. I tried to get him out from behind his crate with um, a treat and he like wouldn't come out and he's a Labrador. So that's just unheard of. And I was like, okay, fuck, took him to the vet. And the vet was basically like the reason why it happens is because petroleum like obliterates blood glucose levels. So that's why his mood will just drop and he'll just drop. Um, obviously not to mention the fact that he's got, you know, (laughs) a kind of of a, a fuel in his digestive system, which is obviously really uncomfortable and upsetting for him. And she was like, it's just going to happen on and off for the next few days. Make sure you keep feeding him like chicken and rice or chicken and pasta. Uh, and it'll come through, it'll pick up his blood glucose. It'll come out of his system. He'll have really oily poos for the next few days. So enjoy that. And he'll be fine and so yeah that's that's the end of that was what really... was it we
1: were talking about yesterday like when your dog has like diarrhea and then you just try it, like you make the gesture of picking it up even though you
0: <laughs> Emma was saying that when her dog had diarrhea well her parents dog had diarrhea in public people would look at her like I can't believe you're not picking it up but she was like I can't pick it up like it's water I don't know what to do and I said that happens to Bertie all the time because he does eat everything that he can see and like, I just do it as a gesture. <laughs> it's just like, it's just nothing. But I'm like, look, it's a gesture. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: sometimes I would just bend down and pick up a stick near it and be like,
0: oh, <laughs> A few leaves. <laughs> My dad was like, um, you should uh, wait for them to dry out and then use them as fire lighters. I was <laughs> so <it's> like,
1: Don't. <laughs> Well, you know, waste not, want not.
0: Yeah, that's such a my dad thing to do. He would actually do that.
1: Right. Um. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, can I just say to everyone, I'm really sorry. I've had too much coffee, so I need to No one and... can
1: tell at all. You seem totally normal. It's fine. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, Emma, how is your hypertrophy going? And Chloe, how is your fat loss going? What challenges, if any, are you finding in this lockdown? Hmm. Emma, I'll let you go first. Uh, it's going fine. Um, not that much to report. Like, it's quite. I think obviously being at home, like, it's quite hard to tell that normally you would look at progressing weight, but that hasn't really happened because I only have like six kilogram dumbbells. <laughs> so you know, there's, there's a slight limit there. Um, but I think it's going alright. Weight's creeping up. It's sort of stabilised now. I'll probably push up a bit in a couple of weeks, but yeah, fine, fine, fine. And I'm—I don't know what I'm struggling with this lockdown. I do feel a little bit like it's just dragging a bit now.
0: Yeah, I'm str—I'm struggling with it. Like mainly, like in the day, it's fine because I'm so busy. But like at night and in the mornings, I'm just like, here we are again. (laughs) Everything's the same. Or like (laughs) on a weekend, you're like, oh, Friday night.
1: Yeah, and nothing and is it, different
0: and especially that I think as well if you have a job that we have every day is a work day really if you make it a work day so without that kind of normality in place it's just it's groundhog day isn't it like yeah. but yeah so yeah I'm uh, yeah my fat loss phase is going well so the so I started it around this is a, and we do this I say this every time I don't know why I'm still harping on about the scales being shit but um I started off at like 63.8 dropped down to 62.2 then I started creatine I, I did a fast load which I'm done with now weight basically went up to 64 kg and it stayed there for the last two weeks which I'm completely fine with because I'm looking much much leaner um I think if I want to I've been kind of on the kind of calories and expenditure that I've been on now for the last four weeks and I reckon in the next couple weeks if I really want to ramp it up a notch I'm probably going to have to make some kind of a change at some point we'll see but typically I do have to make a change every few weeks um but I'm going to be honest with you I'm thinking I'm probably not going to make a change anytime soon because I want I want you know to to have a a very successful fat loss phase. And fact of the matter is, is that if I jump the gun and start, and start doing too much too soon, it is very fatiguing. I will be done with it potentially sooner than I want to. So I'm kind of in this for like the long haul. I'm on about 1700 calories and doing about 20 minutes of cardio. And I just don't see myself changing anything for a while until I'm like, you know, ready. If that makes any sense at all.
1: <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> okay, another question. I've started to feel dizzy when I get up from the sofa over the last couple of days, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday was a rest day. I'm on 1,700 cal- calories. I weigh 70 kilograms. I'm five foot nine, so a healthy weight, and I want to lose a little bit more. I'm hitting my non-negotiables, however, starting to maintain this last week, so in effect should I be reducing my calories? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. definitely not, especially if you're starting to feel lightheaded. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And also like maintaining a week, like my, my basically
1: just rewind 30 seconds and listen to what Chloe just said.
0: Yeah. Like you're going to have weeks where the the scales might be going up and you're going to have weeks where the scales might be going down. And more often than either of those, you're going to have weeks where they don't do anything. That's just part of it. Fat loss isn't linear period. Um, the only clients I've ever had who get like quite a linear rate of loss tend to be people who are brand spanking new to dieting young, or yeah, or men, young body fat to lose not much muscle mass on them because that does like body composition in my experience does make the scales much, much trickier. Um, so yeah, like get used to that. Um. Feeling lightheaded, it could either be uh, maybe your food choices, maybe you're not getting in enough carbohydrates, potentially, and your your blood sugar's low. Uh, it could be, it's obviously not got something to do with training because you say that you had a rest day and it happened. But standing up and getting a head rush, um, yeah, I would look at maybe maybe just kind of putting more fruit into your diet is a really good place to start and see if that helps. Emma, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think if it's happened once or twice, probably nothing to worry about. But if it continues to happen, then I would speak to a doctor about it. Mm. Mm. Okay, next question. Because um, the other thing it could be is low salt, potentially.
0: Yes, that's a really good point.
1: Um, And so that actually happens quite a lot when people go on diets because they just eat like, quote unquote, clean foods and actually don't salt their foods and don't put any... And then because they're not eating any processed foods, they're not really getting any salt in. And then they start doing things like increasing water intake and then their sodium balance isn't quite right. So that might be something to consider if you don't eat a lot of salt.
0: Yeah, all of you, drink your water, salt your food and and potentially get some electrolytes in. Yeah.
1: Uh, My friend is eight weeks postpartum. She... Weight trained until 30 weeks. She is interested in joining the next EC sign up. She has home weights. Is she okay to sign up? At present, she is walking and has now started doing body weight compound movements. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Okay, next question. I get the pros of counting calories. What are the cons according to you? Hmm, Good question.
0: Um, so, uh, the cons would be in the immediate sense, obviously, it's time consuming, if you, especially when you're first starting, and, like, for me, I, not to, not to play smoke up my own ass, but I can look at a plate of food and eyeball it pretty well. <laughs> not saying a big deal, but... <laughs> Uh, like I know how many calories are in my plate of restaurant food um and so it's very easy but in the beginning like it is it's a learned skill (laughs) as funny as that sounds and it is time consuming it takes you out of the moment in terms of when you're being social or romantic around food um it can increase uh it can, can increase kind of hyper food focus which obviously actually can have a counter effect on your relationship with food. You know, I think a lot of people will stand there and say counting calories is great. It'll really improve your relationship with food because you have more food freedom and you understand things more, but I have seen it multiple times go the other way where people get obsessed, obsessive with food and calories and counting food. Um, and that's, that's the problem. And let's just be totally honest. It's not a quote unquote normal way to diet. And by diet, I mean, just eat. Um, but you know, the reason why it's there is because it's also not a normal way to diet and eat to just eat whatever you want, whenever you want and think it's fine. Because everywhere you go, you can buy whatever you want, whenever you want. That's not normal either. And this is why it's kind of, yeah. Anyway, so I think it's a it's a great thing to do initially. But it's, you know, certainly not something that I would want clients necessarily doing every day for the rest of their lives. Um, It is a means to an end, unless you have a really specific like fat loss goal, like then it comes back in. But yeah, it's a means to an end, really. Emma?
1: I think you're right in that, in this obesogenic environment that we live in, it's a very useful tool to have. And the tool isn't hitting, this is why we don't actually care that much about specific numbers. And we talk a lot about how there's so many inaccuracies in calorie calculators and calorie tracking, because that isn't really what you're getting from it, isn't the specific number. It's the accountability and it's the mindfulness of, like, instead of just, eating something and completely forgetting about it it's the next step of putting that in my fitness pile you're then not gonna forget that you've eaten that or you're not gonna eat something mindlessly without thinking about it or you stop yourself because there's a portion size there and that's when you're gonna stop as opposed to relying on like hunger cues for that which is a pro and a con because the pro is that you know maybe you were eating to hunger previously and you were overeating and that's why you're now overweight but equally if you never eat to hunger it's then very hard to like relearn listening to your body and actually eating to hunger post diet <clears throat> so that's like another step that does take away the more like intuitive nature of eating as in stopping when you're full even though my fitness pal says you have more calories or stopping when you're not quite full because my fitness pal says you're out of calories for the day and because these things aren't perfect like you know, if, if it was much colder that day and you had to walk because your car broke down and things, like technically you, you need more energy that day to maintain your body weight. And usually, like in a perfect system, that would just mean that your hunger goes up and then you eat a bit more. But that isn't quite how things work when we have like really highly palatable foods. We don't move that much. We're not necessarily in touch with our hunger signals. We know that at the higher end of body fat storage like these hunger signals get dysregulated as well so it's useful to have something that's objective. and from a motivational standpoint i'm sure everyone that like the reason we're obsessed with the scales as well is because it's an objective measure it's a Mm. something on a you know it's a number and it's the same with tracking people like it because it's a number that you can stay accountable to um i do think it's oversimplified when people are like there's nothing wrong with tracking calories. It's just like, you know, looking at your bank balance. Like, I see that one a lot. And I'm like, okay, but for some yeah, yeah. for some people, it can become really obsessive. And if you're wondering if that's you, if I took your phone off you and deleted MyFitnessPal now, would you stress out? If, yeah. you, if you would, then maybe it's time to think about taking a day off and, like, just proving to yourself that you're not reliant on that, that calories still have you know, that food still has calories, whether you're tracking it or not. So don't get too obsessed with the numbers. But equally, if it's something you can use, knowing all those things, knowing the pros and cons, and you're getting something from it, then, the, you know, it's a great tool to use. It's very useful for us as coaches as well, because it gives us oh, an yeah. insight into how much you're eating, the numbers you're eating, the protein you're hitting, your food choices potentially um but i think the the issue with like the bank balance analogy is that if i had a friend who was checking their bank balance all of the time i would be quite worried show you know I me mean? like it's one thing looking at my fitness pile once a day or something for, like for the rest of your life if you really want to do that but if you have to get it out every time you eat i mean imagine the stress and like hopefully no one's in this position at the moment but i know there's you know people have lost their jobs during coronavirus of having to check your bank balance before you buy anything, like yeah. anything at all, you go into a shop and you have to check it before you buy just to make sure you've got enough money. Imagine that level of stress, and now you're transferring that onto every time you eat. Like, yeah. so I get the whole bank balance thing, but when you actually put that in practice, it's not like, yeah, I check my bank balance every now and again. That's obviously not stressful. I don't have to check it multiple times a day, and that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. <clears throat> agreed agreed okay i'm slowly trying to stop relying on counting because i want to have kids in the next few years and growing up <clears throat> sorry with a mum who was dieting messed up my relationship with food how would you recommend doing this over time with fat loss maintenance and hypertrophy goals
0: great question um Well, yeah. Okay. So exactly what I said in my first answer, you will start to learn if I have a salad, like a big hearty veggie salad, that's likely going to be 50 calories. If there's some avocado on that, it's likely going to be 150 extra calories. If I have a steak a not lean steak, that's probably going to be about what 300 calories. If I have a lean steak, it's probably going to be about 150 calories. So these are things I'm saying off the top of my head because I know because I've been tracking for years and you're going to get to that point too. Which means that either you can just look at a menu when you're out and pick what you know is going to be appropriate for you. And I always say this to people, a really good tip and trick for people who don't want to track but they want to eat calorie-appropriate meals is to go for lean proteins with veg, fibrous veg, for health and satiety reasons, and then split up the energy macros. So pick a fat or a carb. Typically, if you're in a restaurant, it's going to be cooked in oil or butter that's it, Bob's your uncle. Um, now, obviously, a lot of people, you know, including Emma and I would be like, it's not an optimal way to diet, right? But look, we've got to use the tools that that you have, okay? So there's that. So then you're getting in protein and veg, which I actually always say is the main thing. And you're getting in your energy macros, but you're being smart about how you're consuming them throughout the day. And if you are, if you don't develop any carb fear or fat fear or anything like that, you are going to be nutritionally sound throughout the course of the day and the week. So there's there's stuff like that i know ben kumba who i'm sure a lot of you know of or have heard of he tracks on his uh calculator so he'll just look at like a, a bowl of i don't know yogurt and berries, 150 calories plus and then every time he eats he'll he'll have an apple so like 70 calories plus and he just does that throughout the day and then he kind of knows roughly what he's <clears> eating, <it's throat> but he's not pedantic about it he's not obsessive about it Um, So, yeah, this is kind of where where we'd want to get you. And Emma's right, you know, intuitive eating is not something that anyone can do right off the bat. Unfortunately, it is a result of being nutritionally and calorically aware. Emma? Oh, that's controversial.
1: (laughs) Why? (laughs) It is a bit so... There's this whole, like, argument for and against intuitive eating. And I think one of the problems is that intuitive eating is a specific program which is very confusing because I thought this for a while like intuitive eating is not simply eating intuitively because that's what (laughs) and most of us get those two things confused like I did I was like well surely intuitive eating is eating intuitively but there's like all there's like 10 principles of intuitive eating and it's like a specific intervention
0: and this is the this is like the file that you've put up, right? Is it in? The,
1: did you put it up, or is that no, no, it? no, no. I wouldn't. I don't particularly think it's particularly useful for our client base. That might be for some people, but not not for our clients. Um, I do like the thing that uh, Ben does. I think that's quite yeah. that that's quite a nice like middle ground to move away from tracking. So you're not anally tracking everything. You're just guesstimating. And I honestly think most people could just do that and never have to anally track on MyFitnessPal. Yeah. The the problem occurs, like, and the only reason that we wouldn't have you do that is, like, if you're not getting results.
0: Yes, then, exactly. Then, okay,
1: let's look a little bit closer. Because, yeah, we'll be inaccurate, but even things like, I don't know, like, we can, most people can roughly eyeball things, and especially once you've been, like, we're halfway through, if you've been tracking for four weeks, you probably have a pretty good knowledge of the foods that you'd usually eat and what the calories are in them. Now, if you're going, if you want to do what Ben does and like just put it in your calculator, and fat loss is your goal, I would always err on the side of caution a little bit. Yes. Of oh, okay, I know a calories. I mean, a calorie. I know that an apple is roughly seventy calories, but I'm gonna put in eighty or a hundred. Or like, I know that that's probably, you know, I'd probably always just round up a little bit.
0: I agree. Completely agree.
1: Um, and that's quite an easy way to sort of move between. Tracking everything on MyFitnessPal and just like a little bit more lenient. And then you can move away from that because, you know, at the end of the day, all the food you eat, and for most of us probably eat quite similar things every day. Like if you look back on your MyFitnessPal, basically the same thing every day. Why do you need to track it every day if it's the same? Yeah, It's going to be the same as yesterday. Give or take a few little things. And, and then like realise that your body is the best and most accurate calorie... Uh, calculate or calorie tracker that you will ever come across like if you've if you've eaten more than you've expended you will start storing body fat if you haven't yeah. you will start losing body fat people lost weight before my fitness pal and oh, just, right. there's absolutely no need to track ever it's just a useful tool that we now have access to so why yeah. not use it but it's- as chloe's saying like we we recommend people use it for quite a finite period of time yeah, And maybe going back to it, like if you're like, oh, I've stalled in my fat loss. and I don't know why. OK, let's track for a couple of days or a week and see where things have crept up. Because usually it's like portion sizes have become a bit bigger. You forgot to add in condiments like you've been snacking mindlessly a little bit. Oh, and then that 400 calorie deficit you had is now actually maintenance. And then you can yeah. see where those things have creeped in. But yeah. yeah, there's no you don't need to track and actually moving away from it for most people is like it's kind of like a stage like the next stage would be cool you're at maintenance or maybe you want to continue losing fat but you kind of know what you're doing now and honestly if you've got quite a consistent diet there's really no need for you to be tracking
0: I completely completely agree you said something though oh yeah I remember like before it became tracking or you know if it fits your macros it was the diet was called flexible diet. that's how it began that was just birth and the reason for that is because it went from being like you have to eat these foods to get in shape which is how people were getting in great shape or with strict meal plans which again are really appropriate for some people and hugely inappropriate for other people um but people were getting amazing results on meal plans and you know i think I th- one of the first coaches to do this was like uh it was like Lane Norton and Joe Klemzeski with some of the first people to stand up and say... You don't have to eat, you know, 100 grams of green beans if you don't want to. You can actually have this. And it became flexible dieting. And it was all done, um, you know, pretty much manually. Um, The coach would teach the client. The client would do it themselves. And then it somehow became, you know, obviously the answer to things would be if it fits your macros, you can do that if it fits your macros. And then it actually, funnily enough, kind of went the other way and became quite anal and quite focused on numbers and specificity. And then again... Everyone was like, no, this is the whole point of it. And the pendulum swung over here and people were making up with like donuts and shit food like that. And, like, you know, talking about actually like what the best the best thing about flexible dieting is exactly what Emma and I will say about everything. You know how we always say it depends. It depends. The answer lies somewhere in the middle. The answer lies somewhere in the nuance. Eat healthy. Eat, eat the foods that are going to get you the best physique results possible in terms of performance, recovery, um, you know, kind of uh nutritional mindedness but you have flexibility as and when and if you need it um and once you learn that and it might take a few months it might take a couple years you can absolutely move away from tracking successfully
1: yeah i think where a lot there was a lot of pushback for like if it fits your macros because people got completely the wrong idea about it and they were like right so you're telling us we should all eat pop-tarts no and it's like no and actually if you look at someone's diet who's like dieting on if it fits your macros compared to clean eating for example it's basically the same like it's it's the same like because that's what you would need to do to hit your protein target to get your carbs in like to within your calories people like oh what so you just eat mcdonald's all day no because you're still on like you couldn't possibly fit that in while hitting all your other targets So it's just like having that little bit of flexibility on top of a pretty standard, like nutritious diet.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. Does it make a difference to have whey isolate protein, juice powder with water or, oh sorry, during a workout or is it best to have it after?
0: Say that again
1: sorry does it doesn't it, like basically can you have your protein during your workout or should you have it after your workout
0: um I would say have it after <laughs> for various reasons not that there would be anything like physiologically wrong with having it during your workout at all but you don't need to I can't imagine that it would be particularly pleasant and post-workout is absolutely appropriate Emma
1: agreed I also think like you could make a claim for physiologically why it wouldn't be optimal during just because the blood flow is going to your working muscles not your digestive system and like you can just get a bit
0: like it's just not great the only thing intra-workout that has been proven to have a positive impact on uh your muscle hypertrophy is car intra-workout carbohydrates like you know, those dextrose powders. But again, if you're not a, if you're not a serious like bodybuilder or like athlete of some kind, again, it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary mm-hmm. supplement and it's unnecessary ca- expenditure of calories and carbohydrates. It's just not necessary. Yeah,
1: that's why I like, always feel, bad feel really I bad when I see someone who's like clearly new to the gym walks in, goes to the vending machine, buys a glucoside like full sugar glucoside does a little bit on the cross trainer (laughs) drinking it and then they walk back out and i'm like oh (laughs) you've just drunk more calories than you've expended by far and i know that exercise as i always say isn't just about burning calories but when you can see that someone's clearly come in for like fat loss and they're doing a bit of cardio or something they're just like chugging down sugary leukosate i'm like oh god that's a crock
0: of shit you know i remember when i i a friend of mine is now Louise Hazel, she, she's a, an Olympi- Olympic, uh, oh god, what kind what, what of athlete? Was she- yes, that's the one, yeah. I was like, god, what did she do again? Wait, what, so are you friends with her? <laughs> yeah, and she's so hot. Is she
1: quite, um, bullshy? Yeah, proper, proper gobby. Because right. I think, I remember watching, like, this is when I was obsessed with athletics. And I remember what, like, I'm sure she said some quite, like, fiery things in interviews that, like, you know how oh, yeah. all athletes are, like, so unbelievably nice about everything. And, like, the interviews are normally quite boring because it's just, like, yeah, I ran my hardest, but it didn't go that well. She's, like, well, you know, someone <laughs> had passed yeah. the baton in the right way then. <laughs> yeah
0: is it surprising i attract gobshites i am a gobshite so yeah she's amazing she's she's yeah she's straight savage but i remember her being like uh, me saying to her like oh when this is when we first kind of started to get to know each other and i was like so so totally what was your nutrition like when you were like in training and competing she was like shit every, every coach everybody would just hand you lucozade that, that the answer to everybody's problem was fucking lucozade and i i just remembered like when I first met James, his nutritional knowledge was like shocking. I don't know how I've come onto this. Oh, Lucas <laughs> yeah. was like, shocking. And he would have like, I mean, in his garage, like like huge crates of Lucas And he, he was shredded and he was fun. I mean, this did not apply to him. He was, fucking shredded when i first met him he was just downing in like seven times a day and i was like what are you doing you could be putting those calories to such better use but yeah I, this is not really that relevant it just reminded
1: me it <laughs> is shocking like within sport how bad it is especially they- at the lower yeah. levels like when i look back at like the stuff we were doing and, and you'd be like oh it's a sports drink i'll just have it and i'm like i was running for i think like 100 meters like i don't think i needed the extra glucose
0: for that no, <laughs> but yeah you just like yeah. I say all the time like elder athletes that I know their their training knowledge even if it's not actually kind of studied it's very natural and organic and impressive how much they know they're new to, I've never met an athlete that knew anything anything at all about how to fuel their body like it's shocking um I think it's yeah. more
1: worrying that the coaches don't know like I remember my rowing coach asking me if a potato was a carb scary wow but then I also remember an athletics coach telling me I should drink creatine just before a run like oh yeah, that load it right just before a run like as if that would that would help in the slightest There's it's like minutes. just about 10 minutes before then you have some creatine I was like okay
0: now like James is working with a coach a very good coach in terms of his career and, and James's goal right now is basically like basically bodybuilding stuff, right? And he's got him going to absolute failure on every single lift he's doing. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. And it's because there's, there's, there's still such an old-school methodology to training and, I'm sorry, absolute disregard of recovery. That's the main thing. And I've seen it even when he played for England. The coaches don't give two shits about recovery, and it's like, Well, then how do you expect them to go out there on the weekend and play a fucking amazing rugby game, which is a contact sport, if they haven't had one day off in the week? Are you mad? Do you think it's almost like
1: sometimes at that level? And I know that like maybe coming up, it's more like that when you're at like academy level and stuff. And they're just like, we're going to train everyone max out. And whoever doesn't get injured and who manages to like keep up with this training load, you're the ones that make it. And the rest are just... 100%
0: and it's I think it's such a masculine competitive way to think but it's so um inaccurate when it comes to maximizing performance of athletes is to basically pull any and all recovery that they might have No, it's 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 mad anyway
1: okay we've got another question about supersets and giant sets but I'm just going to explain it really simply so basically a giant set or a superset is two exercises or more back to back so think of it like a circuit if it says push-ups superset with squats you do 10 push-ups 10 squats then you have your break then you repeat that however many times it says to repeat it if it's a superset it might have 10 squats 10 push-ups 10 uh why are you rubbing that on your face
0: really cold and it feels nice under my eyes
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so you might have three exercises you would do each of them you do your squats straight into your push-ups straight into your sit-ups then you have a break. Then you go again. It's just a circuit. So I think yeah. that covers that.
0: But I think, do you know why I think people might be getting confused? Because when I, in, I don't know, it depends if people are jumping between the gym workouts and the home workouts. So when I say superset, I mean two. If I say triset, I mean three. If I say giant set, I mean multiple. But it doesn't matter. Like, it's all much of a muchness. It's just more than one exercise. Whereas I think, yeah, most, uh, well, yeah, a lot of people just be like, just giant set, is in multiple exercises.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Hi, I have lost 6 kilograms on the EC method since August. I have shrunk around the middle, but the skin is quite loose. Is this normal? Is there anything I can do to tighten up the area? Do I just need to be patient? Will this quote-unquote pull in over time, or am I dreaming? Also, clearly a lot of fat was in my bum, because having lost some fat, I now have a flat bum. Anything I can do for this? I've been with the EC method on fat loss since August, so this is around four for me if you include Christmas I'm 47 years old I'm five foot three I started at 64.8 kilograms I am now 58.8 kilograms I lost four kilograms and I think the rest of this is probably not relevant
0: (laughs) uh Emma and I have have talked about this so many times on the EC method um look most of the time most of the time your skin will shrink um and go back to how it was pre- pre-body fat gain um some of the time it doesn't and that can depend on so many different factors how much weight did you have to lose like how overweight were you how old are you um, you know, we, skin elasticity, uh, will decrease with age, unfortunately, as we all know, we're all headed for that 80 year old saggy prune, but, um, and, and really there's nothing you can do. We have had one or two clients on the EC method lose so, um, so much weight, especially around the middle that in the end, they ended up getting surgery to have the excess skin removed. Obviously, Emma and I are not saying do this. We would never ever in a million years say that any of you should do that. But they have been really happy with it in the end, even though we were like, oh, I, uh, we uh, don't do that. They did it and they were happy with it. Um, uh, so, yeah, we've had two, haven't we? Sue and it Faye? is 2 and.
1: interesting, like the whole surgery thing. I think it completely depends why you're doing it. Like, yeah. I think some people are like, oh, I won't be happy until I don't have this excess skin around my stomach. And that's mm-hmm. obviously never going to end well. Like surgery isn't going to be the answer to your happiness yeah. or like your self-esteem issues but if you're like no like I I love myself I'm so proud of what I've done but I would actually like this bit annoys me a little bit and I would like yeah. it gone but it's not like the biggest hang-up in my life and I know that if I couldn't have the surgery I would still have an excellent you know I think it yeah. depends how much pressure you're putting on that surgery to like fix whatever it is you're feeling if you're just yeah. doing it she's so like I think I'd feel a bit more confident I think I'd like my body a little bit more but it doesn't mean that I didn't already love it then I think, yeah, great. And like, like you said, we've had people that have got the the surgery to get rid of the excess skin, and it's been an absolute success, and they feel much better in themselves.
0: Yeah, but it's it's not so. It's, it's tricky as a coach to even talk about it because it looks, To be honest, it looks bad. We get misinterpreted on a good day when we're being really articulate and clear. So it's tricky. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's that. In terms of the but, uh, yeah, welcome to welcome to our world um who was i talking to oh holly baxter Ah, <laughs> emma you would love her she's very friendly actually um i was talking to her about this like look Let's just call a spade a spade. As a white woman, it is a hard ass task to grow your glutes. We're just not genetically gifted in that area. (laughs) Um, and when you do lose weight, uh, you are going to see on your you are gonna see your butt shrink. You just are. And it sucks if you don't have muscle built there underneath. So you've got two options. You either accept it, it's part of fat loss, it's part of you having a smaller body, which you wanted. Or you go, OK, you know what? I'm actually going to dedicate a few months now to building my muscles, specifically glute muscles. Um, and you and you start doing that. And then if you if, you know, in a few months time, you have gained a little bit of weight, body fat that you'd like to drop off. Then we can do like a little fat loss phase and you can see what you've built underneath. And that's a very bodybuilding way to look at it. that we find it, Emma and I find it cool and fun and exciting. Some people are like, that's not what I want to do at all. So really, it comes down to, to you, Emma. Agreed. I don't think I have anything else to add on that one.
1: Okay. Okay, are warm-ups and cool-downs necessary? If you only did one, which takes precedent and what would you usually do for your warm-up/cool-downs? Um, Emma, you go. Um, yeah, I think it's worth doing them. I think there's kind of less I put less emphasis on it when I'm doing a home like bodyweight workout cuz that would essentially be my warm-up, like if I was at the gym I might do couple of squats, couple of push-ups. Like, I don't know, something as the, the exercises that I'm doing in the circuit for a bodyweight workout as my warm so I don't feel the need to warm up as much. I think physically being warm is important. So maybe in the summer, like, you might not need to warm up as much because you're physically quite warm. But going into a gym cold, I would definitely at least physically warm up, um, get a little bit of a sweat on. So some form of cardio to start with and then a couple of exercises potentially like a little circuit or something um and then cool down yeah like i would just say some light cardio i don't think like honestly to me i think they're slightly overrated as long as you're not freezing cold and you're not like going from extremely high intensity to just sitting on your ass for the rest of the day then I'm not too worried about it the only sort of caveats I would give there and you'll know if this is you is that maybe potentially as you get a bit older or you pick up niggles that you're like mm. do you know what it's taken me longer to really get my joints moving and feel like I need to do this warm-up now you'll kind of know like your body almost tells you if you need if you feel like you've jumped you've gone into a session and then only halfway through you're like oh i actually start to feel okay now my, my muscles feel warm and like they're working you should have done a warm-up if you don't really feel that then there's probably very little point doing it agreed okay um right here's a quite a long one
0: can i just say emma sat next to me He's farting and the smell
1: it's so ridiculous <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh i'm so glad we're on zoom okay uh sorry it's a long question but it's taken me a few weeks to pluck up the courage to ask i feel like i have a mountain to climb when it comes to fat loss i have over 135 pounds to lose before i would even hit a healthy bmi range just to give you an idea of the size of said mountain i carry a lot of this around my middle and this leads me on to part of my question I'm finding exercise is really tough going. My be- belly physically gets in the way for a lot of it and my wrists won't carry my weight when trying to do things like plank or slow-mo mountain climbers. This then leads me to getting downhearted and the mental battle begins. Are there any adaptations I can make or can I just try out each exercise and then make a set out of the ones I can physically do at the moment? I also have an old back injury and that... Uh, that niggles with certain movements so I am trying not to aggravate that too also any tips for shift workers when I'm on in fact should we
0: yeah should we yeah. Uh, break yeah um, okay so for me um, first of all love you for speaking up and saying something because it goes about saying that if you are you know. <sighs> if you do have struggles or you're coming in from a place that you feel is different from everyone else, you have to tell your coaches, you have to say, I don't think this applies to me. And here's why. Um, so I'm so happy that you spoke up. I wish you'd done it week one, but Hey, better late than never. Um, so first things first, don't get downhearted. The beauty of having more weight to lose is that you're going to lose more like, than everyone else. If you're going to lose more weight than everyone else, a hell of a lot quicker than everyone else. The main things, if you are coming in with an extreme amount of body fat that you have to lose to get healthy. Well, why am I? Why am I bracketing that to get healthy? I was like, no, that's not appropriate. Like Joey and friends. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, the beauty, the beauty of it is that and Emma and I will say this all the time. She'll back it up in a minute small changes ha- go a long way and for for quite a significant period of time so really what i would love you to do is start nailing your nutrition in terms of your calories you know learning about healthy eating in terms of you know your protein intake your fruit and veg your micronutrients fats and carbs what's what um tracking is going to be great and give you an idea of of uh, of what what is a, what is kind of a good option for you or a lower calorie? What would be slightly higher calorie? Um, and then also, like we said, full circle about flexible dieting. The fact that you can actually have some of your quote-unquote treat foods in your daily diet. Um, so nailing the nutrition, I think, is the number one focus. The second focus for you is nailing steps. Now, I would like you to be hitting a bare minimum of 10 for anywhere up to 12 um, every single day. And in terms of the workouts, do not do anything that is like physically like a feat for you to be able to do right now we can come to that later it's not important that you can do 20 burpees right now that's just not relevant for you at all um absolutely go through the exercises for example like standing squats that you can do and make your own circuit 100 percent but really at first I'm, i would like for you to do that maybe three days a week but at first the main things that i'd want you to focus on are the calories and the steps emma
1: agreed and you're going to get so much benefit from doing that like you'll see amazing results from just nailing your calories and your steps and you're right like this will become so much easier and more enjoyable to exercise as you lose that excess body fat because it won't be as just awkward to do some of the movements but absolutely do what you can do at the moment but in the knowledge that it's going to get easier and you won't always have to make those adaptations if yeah. you want any help with them, just post in the group. Like, what can I do for mountain climbers instead of that? And something you might want to look at to put less pressure on your wrist is just, like, going up to a desk or your um, kitchen table or something and and using that instead of the floor so there's less of your body weight on your wrists. Yeah. And then doing mountain climbers like that. And Yeah, it's not exactly the same movement, but you're getting moving and it's something. So yeah. start, like start with things like that I think you're incredible for joining and I think you're going to get such amazing results from this and this this will you know we people throw this around all the time but this will literally change your life
0: yeah 100%
1: so massive well done and I know that like especially when you feel like you have a quote-unquote very large mountain to climb it can seem like you're never going to get there but You absolutely can. And we will be there backing you 100% of the way as your little Sherpas.
0: I love that. But can I also just say, guys, break it down. This applies to all of you. Like, even I have to fucking do this because I'm such, like, a negative Nancy. I'm like, oh, that's too hard. And I have to try, I have to, like, work with with myself to keep myself going, keep myself motivated. Break it down into small, achievable footholds in the mountain. So fine, you want to get up here, and right now you're here, but it's like... What's the first thing you could do this week? You nail your calories and you nail your steps. And I'm, I'm not joking, you're probably going to see loss quite frequently if you keep this up. And you're going to climb the mountain one thing at a time. But it's really, really bad, psychologically speaking, if you're constantly looking at how far you've got to go. You need to start to break it down.
1: Yeah, and I think a really good way to think about it is that as long as you're going in the right direction as a trend, Like, yeah, you might not see weight loss every week. I mean, this individual probably will for a while, but if anyone else is listening and is like, you might not see weight loss every week, but as long as you're trending in the right direction over time, like that's really Mm. all that matters because you Mm. know you're doing things that are getting you closer to your goal. And the speed of that is so independent on, like it's so variable on different things that it doesn't even really matter because over time you're going in the right direction. And if you think back to like, If I'd started dieting when I first thought I should start dieting, like where would you be now? Like these things take time, but time's going to pass anyway. So just make sure that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Also any tips for shift workers? When I'm on nights, I tend to eat one big meal um, when I get up. And then that was it until I got up again the next day. I always tend to lose weight on my weeks of nights, but put it back on on my weeks of days. But recently I have swung the opposite way. I have been mindful that I need to get protein in and near my calories. So I started off having a snack when getting home in the morning, then a small meal when I first got up. And then, sorry, I think some of this is quite yeah. detailed, which is slightly irrelevant to the question. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, what, was- basically,
1: what would you say is the best eating pattern for night shift workers?
0: The best eating pattern for night shift workers is to pretend that the night is the day and eat how you would normally eat. And this is going to benefit you on so many levels. This is going to benefit your your ability to basically uh, feel awake, switched on, active and present in in the shift itself. Um, it's going to better enhance sleep. Look, Emma, Emma will again say this as soon as I'm done. You guys do have it harder. You have it harder for a lot of reasons. Um, And what you need to do is you need to put all your efforts into making that wake cycle your day cycle. So you wake up and you have your breakfast and, and every three, four hours meal prep like buy some Tupperware, cook your favorite foods, like chilies are are like a great ones to meal prep with. You can get like five meals out of like one batch that takes you 45 minutes to cook. Um, Any kind of like soups or stews. Again, we want protein in there. We want veg in there. Um, Protein tray bakes, big fuck off tray bakes that you put in the oven with loads of protein, loads of veg. That's four or five meals right there. Um, Meal prep and eat every three or so hours. Um, And I promise you, you'll find that your sleep, start to improve um you'll find that your performance at work starts to improve and you'll find that your body starts to improve um so yeah you just have to stop thinking it of like oh it's night and you have to be like okay this is day now like this is my day and carry on like everyone else does emma
1: yeah i think that that would be great like in an ideal world but i think a lot of people obviously can't do that depending on what their shifts are and like what their jobs are and etc cetera, etc cetera. so cetera ideally i would i would suggest the same or very similar but realistically i think an easier way to think about it is like it's a 24-hour period anyway Mm. try and think about getting your calories in in that 24-hour period i would plan ahead some people will find that they're like they couldn't stomach a meal at certain times or that they don't get a break to have a meal at the certain time that they would normally so maybe that does mean that you have it at, you know have it the next day and maybe you don't eat as much during your night shift but you eat more the next day or vice versa like it's basically finding what works for you i don't think there is a perfect pattern of eating for night shift workers i think it's figuring out what's going to work for you best around your schedule best around your how you feel how tired you get your energy levels when you're training if you're training those times like all these factors have to be considered so it really the only take home I can give is plan ahead because you don't want to end up either over hungry or like overeating. And one usually leads to the other. So just get in a good routine and try a couple of different routines next time you're on night shift and just make sure that you're following those.
0: Yeah. And also just quickly on that, because Emma's right. It's so completely now that it's so dependent on the, the shift um, and what, yeah exactly what you can and can't do I do have a one-on-one client who and again she's not doing shifts seven days a week or you know five days a week she does shifts intermittently throughout the week and she fasts on her night shifts like she's and I'm not saying that that's appropriate for everyone it's definitely not something that I would do (laughs) but she finds it really helpful and it and it she hits her weekly average calories and look obviously it's not optimal reprotein intake But it's how she does it and she has great success with it. So, yeah, just to back up what Emma said, you have to figure out what's going to work best for you. Perfect. Okay, question about protein intake. I know
1: that for optimal muscle protein synthesis, which I think is the process that actually helps muscles grow, question mark, we should be having at least 20 to 25 grams of protein four times per day. But what is the impact on muscle protein synthesis slash hypertrophy if we only hit, say, 17 grams in one serving? Does it still do some muscle protein synthesis, but not as much as it could do? Or do you need to be hitting 20 to 25 grams to max to stimulate MPS? Just wondering, sometimes I'll have some yogurt and anyway, basically, yeah
0: yeah um look it's not going to have no effect but it's not optimal and it's if we're going to do it and we're going to and we're going to aim to have an effect on muscle protein synthesis let's do it properly and let's get a minimum of 20 grams in per serving but it's not going to have no effect it's just going to have a much less beneficial effect for your physique emma
1: yeah, so you'll still stimulate muscle protein synthesis at 20, uh, 17 grams. It's just that you won't saturate that response. And to be honest, you can. It's hard without showing you a graph of what this looks like, but like, you, yeah, you'll still have an increase in levels of muscle protein synthesis if you eat 17 grams of protein. But you could have more increase if you ate more protein. And actually depending on resistance training and things and how much muscle mass you have and how much muscle mass you've recently stimulated, you can get a benefit in terms of increased stimulation up to like 50 grams of protein. But the benefit it like it kind of spikes at around like 20, 25 grams. And then you can have a bit more and it will slightly increase, but you're you're looking at like the cost benefit then of like having more protein and actually it not really having much more increase on rates of muscle protein synthesis. So yeah, it's fine. It's not ideal, but it's certainly not the end of the world either. Okay. Hi, I have a question regarding calories and it's very long. And essentially what it's saying is, what's more important for fat loss protein or calories
0: we get this question every single round so calories are king if we're talking about you know in order to achieve successful well achieve and successful are the same one so in order to, to achieve fat loss you need to be in a negative energy balance. This means that you are intaking less calories than you are expending every day. And this means that your body then needs a fuel source. So it li- liberates adipose tissue or lipids. Oh, it liberates. Yeah.
1: liberates. yeah.
0: Thank you. I love that word. Um, the lipids in the fat cells are for energy, for fuel. Okay. Um, this is the most important part about fat loss. Now, protein is uh, obviously falls under the bracket of calorie intake right so we would like a significant amount of these calories that you're taking in every day from food to be coming from protein so that we can keep hold of and again if you're new to lifting potentially grow your muscle mass what this is going to do is increase your resting metabolic rate or basal metabolic rate um, because you are adding lean mass to your body which takes calories to maintain itself number one um and it means that when you get the physique results at the end that you probably came here to get because again sorry everybody's so offended but a lot of people start doing stuff like this because they want to look better at the end the protein is going to have a huge impact on you looking quote unquote toned okay so the and sorry lastly just for health reasons Protein is a macronutrient. It is an essential amino acid that you need to get via your food intake, which means just for health, just for the full functioning um, and the optimal functioning of your body, you need to be getting it in your daily diet. So they're two different things, but look, if we're going to be, you know, annoying about it, calories are king. (laughs) Emma. Yeah, agreed. And, like, having the odd day
1: where you don't hit protein isn't going to be the end of the world, but, like, generally... As we always say, when we get this question, like we want you to plan ahead. If you do get to the end of the day and you're like, I've only got 80 grams of protein in, but I've I've hit all my calories for the day. Don't eat anymore just to hit your protein target. But that shouldn't be something that doesn't mean that you can do that every day. Like what you should be thinking then is, why didn't I hit my protein? What can I do tomorrow to make sure I do hit my protein? And then going forward, I can do that. So, yeah, it's fine now and again, like, these things happen, especially if, I don't know, it's the weekend and you're having meals that you don't normally have or you hadn't planned ahead with your protein. But the whole point isn't to be, like, okay, well, this is better than this. It's we need both for different reasons. So how can we fit both in? Same with when people ask about, like, what's more important, doing a workout or getting my steps in? (laughs) Like, we need both for different reasons. So how are we going to fit both in rather than... Yeah. Which one's more optimal? Like, they're very different. Emma? Yeah? I
0: think my triceps grown! <laughs> oh! I knew you'd appreciate that.
1: Oh. I love a good tricep. You know, I found a really old video of me doing uh, occlusion training yesterday. Amazing.
0: And... Are you looking- yeah. My tricep! I was like, what the f-? Isn't that amazing? Like, I have... when people are like, oh, my hamstrings aren't growing, and I know, because I'm seeing photos of them, that they definitely are. I'm like, wear some little shorts, film yourself from the back doing RDLs, and then come back and tell me your hamstrings aren't growing.
1: Also, I'm going to send you this photo. Look at my face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Look at your cat delts are you joking that you're natural like that is like amazing emma i know so right impressive.
1: i know do, I, not even like this is so like egotistical but sometimes i hey, do look boy. back and i'm like what the fuck was that
0: <laughs> look at my what? face <laughs> <laughs> yeah but look at your delts fuck off um, with that sh- sh- that's so impressive
1: okay okay well
0: uh, we've reached really the end of
1: lequist john's
0: oh have we yeah get to the end oh my god i swear that's like the first time it's ever happened i know Um, we will be back
1: monday for more questions i'll put a post up over the weekend i think it's working well on that it makes it much easier for us to uh get through them
0: yeah i agree and guys don't panic you will have all your new files and workouts tomorrow sunday up like sometime really in the late afternoon early evening you will get them every sunday Every Sunday, I get tags like, Where is everything? I'm like, Just be patient. (laughs) They're coming. Okay, bye.